Hey folks, this is Josh Schlossberg, host of the Green Root Podcast. Does that mean the Green Root Podcast is back in action? Well, I'm not quite sure right now, but I'm using the platform to announce something called the Eco Integrity Alliance. For folks who had been following the Green Root Podcast, you'll know that I would talk a lot about the idea of uniting the, quote, alternative environmental movement. So there are a lot of lone wolves doing great work out there, holding the hard line, doing what needs to be done, saying what needs to be said, but we're all scattered. We're all scattered across the country and we need to unite in order to stand a chance against the mainstream environmental movement, which while it's done a lot of good, many of us now believe is doing more harm than good because it's unwilling to really go to the root of the issues. And I spent a year on the Green Root podcast delving more into those roots and talking to different folks who I believed were really great, strong members of this alternative environmental movement. Well, over the last year, been meeting with some folks for every month, and we created a steering committee, and we have officially launched something called the Eco Integrity Alliance. And what I'm going to do on this episode of the podcast is just go through a little bit of what's on our website, which is eco-integrityalliance.org. And I may be doing future episodes on some of the campaigns or maybe talking with some of the steering committee members and then maybe even members themselves as we open it up to larger national membership. So for folks who are interested in being a part of this, check out the website. You can contact us now or later once we open up membership. Not sure when that's going to happen, maybe in the next month, definitely by the spring. And we do hope to have folks involved and membership is for organizations. It's just for individuals. We'll also have supporters, so you don't even have to do anything if you don't want to. You can be a supporter, and if you do want to be engaged, there are ways to do that. So I'm going to the website right now, and we have the header, Eco-Integrity Alliance, Uniting the Alternative Environmental Movement. You can go to Mission and Vision. So this is the mission and vision the steering committee has come up with. And I'll talk about who's on the steering committee in a second. So our mission is to unite the alternative environmental movement under a big tent of ecological integrity through common campaigns of mutual support. So there's a lot there, but let's go through each of those pieces. The alternative environmental movement I already discussed. That's the best name we have for it right now. If you have better suggestion, we can switch that. But So under this big tent of ecological integrity. So ecology is the centerpiece of all of this, and anything that ignores the ecology is just politics or propaganda or nonsense. So we want to have that. And then the, this concept of integrity. So the, the idea of something being integral, integrated, all of the pieces, that's what an ecosystem is. And then the idea of a movement that has integrity, well, we feel like that has been lacking. So we wanted to both point out what we're doing is making sure that we maintain a high level of integrity in everything that we're doing. And yeah, it's a little bit of dig a dig at the mainstream environmental movement. We're suggesting that there hasn't been integrity all the time. And 
There has been a lot of the time, but also a lot of the time there has not been integrity there. So we are going to hold ourselves to a very high standard of that. And then this idea of common campaigns of mutual support. So a lot of coalitions and alliances and stuff like that are like, hey, we're doing a thing. Come join us. Oh, you don't like what we're doing? Goodbye. Right. We're doing a thing whether you like it or not. Now, there's an element of the steering committee making some decisions. You know, it took a year to get all the pieces together. So we're not just going to switch things willy nilly, but people can get engaged. And we'll talk about more about how to do that in terms of what the alliance would be deciding as a campaign. So it's not just us doing a campaign and trying to get support. Now, that is part of it. But the other piece, and we feel like this might be the piece that's been missing from all of these alliances and from the environmental movement, is we're finding what people are already doing, their strengths, and we are making webs, we're making it all tie together, we're connecting those threads in a way that it's these lone wolves becoming a herd. So that's a nice way of combining all my analogies into something that doesn't make sense. But this idea of mutual support. So if there is somebody who is in Idaho working on a particular forest protection campaign, we are going to feed into that as much as expecting feed feeding back into the larger entity. So it's going to go both ways. And we're coming up with some concepts of how to keep track of all of that. But for right now, that's just the general concept. We have looked into this idea of time banking, which is where if you put in hours, you get to cash hours back in. We haven't set all that up as of yet. We're just kind of getting the show on the road here in our first campaigns, which I'll talk about in a second. But that is what's a little different. So if you're like, oh, we've heard that before. Well, you might not have. And then our vision. So the mission is what we're doing on day to day on the ground. So our vision, which is that larger idealized version of what we'd like to see come out of this, would be to proliferate a paradigm of genuine ecological sustainability across the United States. Now, the term of sustainability, we debated a bit because most of the time when you hear that term, it's nonsense, right? But we're talking about genuine ecological sustainability. The concept of sustaining something indefinitely or as long as possible is a valid one. Just because it's been co-opted doesn't mean it's no longer valid. We're taking back the word in terms of our vision. So, and we are focused on the United States right now. So we're realizing we have to do this country by country. We should have a worldwide version of this. If you're in another country and you want to start something up, please do. We would love to link up with you and at some point make this global, but we've got to start here in the U.S. where, well, at least where I am and these other folks are and we can have support from around the world, and we certainly believe that what's going on around the world is important. I'm engaged in that as well. Now let's go into something called our guiding principles. So the guiding principles were something that we took a long time to come up with because we wanted to have this general general platform of what we're about, what distinguishes us from others, what makes it so you might want to be involved. You can look at this and you're like, that sounds exactly right, or I agree with most of this, right? Because nothing's going to be perfect. We can't just join on to things that we're 100% in every degree. But it's also to keep out those who are not going to be on board this, and it's going to keep out a lot of the mainstream environmentalists who aren't sharing what we want to move forward or 
a lot of them really are, and maybe they'll realize that the stuff that they're doing is not necessarily the best thing for the planet. Who knows? But these are our, these are our guiding principles, and these are things we might change over time, but it took a while to put together, so not anytime soon. And they're meant to be general, but again, they're guiding principles. So we, we have six of them, and then we have notes on each of those. So I'll go through... I'll go through each one by one and then the notes one by one as well. So number one is tell the truth about our ecological unraveling. A lot of environmental groups will not tell the truth. They're like, oh, we can grow forever, things like that. And we use the term unraveling as opposed to say collapse just because, well, collapse seems one way. And unraveling, you can sort of ravel some things back. And the idea of we're all going to die tomorrow I don't think we have evidence of that. It may happen, and maybe there's going to be a version of that. It's I'm very open to that. I've done whole episodes on that. Collapse, we might be already in free fall. I don't know. But the concept of an unraveling is not untrue, and we feel like it is less stigmatizing while at the same time... No, it is accurate. So tell the truth about our ecological unraveling. So our notes on that guiding principle are some truths often left out of the discussion include limits to growth can't have infinite growth on a finite planet, and the, quote, exponential factor. So that can tie into anything from populations to disease spreading, things that become exponentially growing, and, and we tend to ignore that. Toxicity. So toxics are what the environmental movement were really built on to a large degree, silent spring pesticides, Nuclear power. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of folks in the climate movement advocating for nuclear power. So we wanted to put in just that as a little note here. And uh, you'd have to be, if you're telling the truth about our ecological unraveling, you would not be advocating for nuclear. Uh, poor risk assessment. So not looking at the choices we're making, like say biomass. Oh, this sounds fine. Well, it's destroying forests. You haven't done any risk assessment there. And then Finally, the climate crisis being only one part of a larger problem. Now, the climate movement is extremely important and may be the most important subset of environmentalism, arguably, debatable. But what's happened is everything that had been leading up to that point, so basically when it became popularized in like 2005, basically with Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore's movie, that's sort of when I noticed it took off. We were all fighting environmental issues way prior to that and losing on every one. So the idea that all those, ah, whatever, everything climate, now when they overlap, great. But when it's stuff like, oh, it's climate change, let's now log our forests for biomass. That was done for climate. It's one of the worst things that we possibly could do. Nuclear power, all things like this where we're ignoring these root issues is a non-starter. So that's the idea of telling the truth behind about our ecological unraveling. Lots of pieces can fit into that. We just wanted to give some points there, notes on the guiding principle. Number two, acknowledge the interconnections between all aspects of the eco-crisis. Now, our note for that is finding the link between an individual's or organization's focus and larger environmental concerns. So that would be like, I'm working on salmon issues, right? Now, that's extremely important, but if you're not also looking at forest destruction, which harms the streams where the, salmon's where the salmon 
lives, you're not really looking at this interconnections. And make sure a downstream issue is connected to an upstream issue. That's another way of basically saying the, the same thing. So something that impacts another issue is something that we need to keep in mind. Number three guiding principle. Include a critique of harmful environmental policies no matter the political source. So we have a note that says nonpartisan approach. This has been perhaps, this might have been the death knell for the environmental movement was when it became not just about fighting bad policies, but just fighting those bad policies when they come from Republicans. And when Democrats do them, the exact same ones are even worse. We advocate for them or at best look the other way. We've seen that over and over again. That's when I stopped backing Democrats. I never backed Republicans, but I stopped backing Democrats when I realized that Democrats were advocating for some of the most logging in national forests of, of even more than Republicans. And remember that a lot of our very strong environmental policy was even put in place during Nixon, who is a Republican. So clearly Republicans these days are pretty bad, <laughs> the worst on the environment, but Democrats aren't much better is the honest truth. And if a Democrat does something worthwhile to support, of course we'll support that. And they're the ones we're hoping will do something. But having this idea of just letting it slide because they're a Democrat, no, we can't do that anymore. And it's like, well, what if a Republican gets in? Well, when the policies are the exact same, it doesn't even matter. And frankly, Republicans win half the time anyway. So let's say we lose one election because we decide to prop up a third party that actually wants to do something, well, maybe they'll gain steam over time. It's clear the Democrats are running us into the ground, maybe slightly slower and with a smile compared to Republicans. At least with Republicans, they're honest about the fact that most of them don't care about the environment. And when Trump proposed stuff, people fought it. When Biden's doing the same stuff, people support it. Nonpartisan approach. Number four, Proposed solutions with unintended consequences in mind. So examples include doing no harm, calling out resource extraction under the guise of restoration, avoiding all, quote, collaborate and compromise models. So doing no harm. Do not advocate for something as an environmentalist that is actually going to make the situation worse, right? That's a very basic tenet that environmentalism doesn't seem to follow anymore. Calling out resource extraction of the guise of restoration, we're seeing a lot of stuff. Oh, we're, we're helping the forest. Uh, it's for, for uh, to improve the forest stands and, oh, to help around wildfire. No, it's not. It's just logging and you're lying. So making sure we point that out in this collaborate and compromise model. So we have that in quotes. It doesn't mean that we can't collaborate with groups. We can't work together. We have to. Or even does it mean we can't compromise? Well, we, we can't compromise on our principles, but on our preferences, perhaps. And perhaps there's a, a bill that maybe only protects a giant ecosystem and not the whole country. Well, we're not advocating. We're not saying, oh, we are in favor of the logging or the destruction mining of the rest of the country. Absolutely not. Uh, we're compromising in one step at a time of growing this land protection. So that's the way I look at that, at least. Number five, guiding principle of six, number five is demonstrate the link between the eco-crisis within social, political, and economic spheres. So 
we have for the notes, for example, scarcity exacerbating social, political, and economic strife. So when we have environmental issues such as water, water shortages, that's going to tie into social issues such as oppression of certain poor people or maybe indigenous people. There's political context to it and then economics context to it, how multinational corporations tie in, the military industrial complex, social justice, racism, other forms of harmful discrimination. All of that is under number five. Six, explore and seek to understand why humanity and its institutions exploit and overconsume nature and how finding deeper meaning in life may help alleviate this. I know that's pretty big, right? But we feel like if we don't look at why we humans are destroying the planet, however you want to put it, why our institutions are, but how we feed into those institutions, we're not going to get to the bottom of any of this. The mainstream environmental movement is just like, plug in this magic source and we're good. It's like, no, that's never worked. That will never work. So the notes on this are questioning our internalized societal paradigms and being willing to change them. So we're like, oh, the idea of we need to um, amass money in order to be a decent human being, you know, to be seen as respected, we have to be wealthy. Well, maybe we can question that. Acknowledging the biological drives of humans without falling for biological determinism. So the idea of like, well, maybe there is a part of us that is inborn where we want to hoard things, right, against the long winter. That doesn't mean we always have to do it. We have to acknowledge it to be like, whoa, I keep thinking I need more and more. Do I really need a third car? Do I need this bigger house? It is a biological drive as well as a societal push. It's both of those. And those who say, well, you're just saying that if we have that drive that it's okay. No, no, <laughs> no. Pursuing a culture of, quote, enoughness while acknowledging that some people without access to resources might not be there yet. So maybe if some of us are acknowledging, hey, I don't need a Lamborghini. Some folks who have been living in poverty, whether in this country or in other countries, maybe their idea of like, I'm just going to live simply, they're trying to reach a certain level of economic stability and maybe that Lamborghini is a dream of theirs or something like that. So telling somebody who is struggling in that way, like, oh, you're a Lamborghini dream, that's so stupid. They might not be there yet. Understanding that people are at different places. We're not going to advocate for Lamborghiniism, but you know what I'm saying. And then using the psychoanalytical approach, which is an aspect of uh, psychology where we can sort of speak out what it might be that's in our heads and we can maybe make sense of it in that way. And frankly, a lot of environmentalists could use therapy. <laughs> I think probably the best thing activists can do is get better at interacting with one another, which is why a lot of these coalitions don't work and which is probably one of the greatest threats we have to this one in terms of whether it succeeds or fails. It's We have to come terms with our own quirks and issues and, and why we might have difficulties and why why with other people why we may be difficult ourselves if we're going to do this. And so many environmentalists, activists, they ignore all that. Ah, oh, it's, it's not important or there's no time. It's like, well, think about how the, every single group you've been a part of has fallen apart. It's because we don't look at all these other pieces. So these are the guiding principles. They're not campaign stuff. It's just behind what we're doing. And we feel like a lot of the environmental movement 
is clueless or completely disinterested in this stuff. So if this stuff is boring to you, I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not on board, but it might. <laughs> but let's get into more specifics in a second. <laughs> steering committee. I'm just going to read the steering committee members off really quick. Right now we have six steering committee members. We may open membership up again in the near future. We shall see. Right now that we are doing all our votes based on consensus minus one. So that means if somebody... Not everyone has to agree. So we have six people, right? So basically four people have to um, agree to move to... No, sorry, five people. So one of these people can say, I don't like this thing. And if the rest of the five say, well, sorry, we do, then it still moves forward, right? Because sometimes we each have our individual quirks. And if just one of the people want to stop something... That can derail a lot of stuff, although we all trust each other here. Still, that's that's human psychology that, that comes up. But if instead we put in that safe aspect of, well, all you have to do is convince one other steering committee member that this might be an issue, then you can block a thing. And of course, we're still going to listen to that one person and weigh their argument. But that's kind of what we have in place. And we may be doing a thing where membership outside the steering committee that all counts as one vote as well. So basically we might have, let's say there's a thing that we're debating and then we wanna say, well, we, we want folks to vote on this here outside of the steering committee. And then let's say you're a member of the Eco Integrity Alliance, maybe a majority vote then counts as one vote to weigh into what the steering committee is doing. We're seeing how that will work. So the members are Samantha Shirello. She is based in Oregon. We have Michelle Dietrich, she is in Montana. Gary McFarlane, he's been a part of a group called the Friends of the Clearwater in Idaho. Josh Schlossberg, that's me, I'm in Colorado. We have Janet Torline in Idaho and Shannon Wilson with Eco Advocates Northwest in Oregon. So we have many of the Western states represented here where a lot of this stuff is going on. And a lot of our stuff is going to be focused on the West just because a lot of public lands are there. That's where most of our public lands, but not entirely. And I have lots of contacts from back East. I'm from back East. I lived in, well, I'm from New York state. I lived in Vermont for a total over 10 years. I have a lot of connections and I care a lot about that landscape. So if you're an East coaster, don't feel like we're going to ignore you. We want you involved. And if there are campaigns that you want us to plug into, let us know, contact us, let us know. Like I said, the membership, we're going to be figuring that out. We haven't decided all of the pieces of that as of yet. We might do a small fee to be a part of it. It will be very minimal, I promise. And it will be all going back into our campaigns. And uh, speaking of which, we do have some uh, ongoing campaigns that were, well, campaigns that we're going to be moving forward very, very soon. And Right now, one of them I can't really talk about, but I can talk about the other one because we're going to be already have released the press release likely by the time you hear this. So we are endorsing something called the Northern Rockies Ecosystem Protection Act. So I'm just going to read through the press. No, I'm actually not going to <laughs> because... 
I will probably be doing a whole other episode on this, but let's just say it is a, I'll read the first paragraph. Eco-Integrity Alliance, a new coalition of U.S. environmentalists uniting the alternative environmental movement, endorses Northern Rockies Ecosystem Protection Act, or NREPA, N-R-E-P-A, a bill encompassing nearly 20 million acres across Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, and Wyoming, creating biological zones to connect new and existing wilderness and roadless areas. So that is the first thing that we are plugging in into somebody else's thing. So this is the way it's going to go back and forth. This has been ongoing for many years. I've been aware of it. I supported it in the past. They're already doing this work. We're just offering our endorsement. We're going to put out our press release and we're going to help them in any way we can. So this isn't, first of all, we're not obviously hijacking their campaign, nor are we doing a separate thing that we want other folks to tie into. We're seeing what people are already doing and we're finding ways that we can dovetail with what they're doing. And so that's one of our first campaigns that we're engaging in. And it is up at eco-integrityalliance.org. And that's all I'm going to get into. You can contact us. You can go to eco-integrityalliance.org and there's a contact form. You can also email this for right now. I'm, I'm staffing the emails so greenroot podcast at protonmail.com can be one way if you want to contact me or the steering committee i'll get that to all the steering committee we meet every month so that's the gist of it check out our stuff uh we're probably going to have a social media presence i might be converting over greenroot podcast facebook and twitter to this eco integrity alliance or maybe i'll keep them separate i don't know we'll probably be doing more well definitely doing one more episode on NARIPA and northern rockies ecosystem protection act and then hopefully more as time goes along maybe we'll get to meet some of the other steering committee members and stuff like that so i really as always appreciate your support i really appreciated all you folks tuning into the green root podcast and basically if you listen to this and like this please share it, right? The part of the reason why I discontinued the Greenwood podcast is while we were getting a fair amount of listenership, it was sort of, it was limited in plateauing. And I felt like there were things that I could do that were better use of my time. So if you care about this and you, and you want to keep this, this stuff going, it's up to you all. I'm counting on you folks to help get the word out, to reach other folks. So share this episode on social media Share it however you can if you have a newsletter or whatever and get engaged with Eco Integrity Alliance, whether you're an individual, whether you have a group, whether your group is just you with the name you made up or it's a larger entity. Let us know. We would love to plug into what you're doing and hope you plug into what we're doing because it's all the same thing.